Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Talking About Rock, sponsored by School of Rock, Rochester, New York. Thank you for joining us. As always, you can catch all our interviews wherever you get your podcasts and on our YouTube channel. Also, you can check out our new website for photos and links to our interviews at TalkingAboutRock.com. On today's show, a multi-instrumentalist, singer, songwriter, and producer, he is most noted for being the bass player and backup singer and Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators, and for being the frontman of the Age of Electric. In more recent years, he's been making his mark as a singer-songwriter with solo performances, as well as fronting former Kiss guitarist Bruce Killick's band and his own Canadian supergroup, Tuke. Today, he's here to talk with us about his latest project, Heroes and Monsters. Next, we speak with Todd Kearns on Talking About Rock. All right, let's welcome Todd Kearns to the show. Hello, Todd. How's it going? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. Doing great. Hey, I'm loving this new project you have with Steph Burns and Will Hunt. Tell tell us how this started, man. Well, thank you so much. Um, I was sitting in this very room, <laughs> and I got a phone call from Will Hunt just asking about, uh, you know, we're talking about, like, somewhere in the middle of lockdown, the initial conversation started to happen, you know, and I'm, like, on the couch deep into uh tiger king or whatever the hell is. <laughs> whatever right right <laughs> whatever lockdown uh stuff was going on right um and he just sort of uh hey uh my friend and i are knocking some stuff around what do you think and i'm like send it over you know and turn into a song and turn into another song and and then it turned into an album so it's it's a very interesting thing for me because if it wasn't for covid there's no way we, there's no way any of the guys involved in this would have had time to do to do this. So um, so we just kind of, uh, you know, basically just took advantage of that situation and made a record. I mean, with no real plan as to, well, what are you going to do? Is there going to be another one? All those conversations are like, I, I don't know. I'm we, it's, we don't shock, know. it's shocking. We got the first one out. <laughs> right. We got to kind of see how it goes. And I, and I hear that from a lot of artists, you know, a lot of, cause we all had time on our hands. So we looked yeah. for, for ways to fill that time. I did that by starting this podcast, but a there lot of go. folks had, you know, albums either in the works and they're waiting to release it. Or they're like, okay, what projects can we work on now while we have this time? Exactly like you said, you know. Well, especially considering, you know, um, I don't know about you, but for me, it was kind of like, you know, my, my whole life is is playing music. It's hustling from, you know, one gig to another gig and you know, having a plan in, in place of having a few different things, up, lots of balls in the air and kind of lots of irons in the fire. And then sort of, you know, when you take away the live playing aspect, it sort of creates an interesting conversation of, well, I guess we can still record and make music or still record and write music. You know what I mean? It was just sort of the idea of like, you know, even people were, uh, a lot of people were very sort of doomsaying about like, you know, this is the end that we won't be touring anymore. Yeah. That kind of thing, you know, and, and that, you know, although I never really bought into it, I sort of, you know, I sort of, well, what am I going to do? You know, it's like if if it's going to take till I mean, the fact that we're into by the time we were into 2022, that stuff was kind of basically returning to normal. Right. Was and it returned to normal a lot quicker than than 
anybody really sort of, sort of foresaw it happening. And then it just sort of, um, you know, just sort of as something will happen, the dominoes just fall and then it's just boom, it's normal. You know what I mean? Yeah. And now in 2023, it's sort of like, you know, by the time a record like this is finally coming out, you're like, cause records get made, they get finished. They, you know, there's remastered an entire pro- and stuff. Yeah. all the process of getting artwork together, then looking for your window of opportunity to actually release the thing. Right. You know, it's by the time it comes out, you're like, well, I never foresaw um, by 2023, all the things that we would all be individually involved in, but here we are, it's sort of, um, um, you know, it's like, Hey, can we go and do a couple of shows here and there? And, and it turns into 10 and away you go. You know? Right. Yeah. And that's kind of why I started doing this as well, just to kind of let people know that, you know, there's, there's a lot of venues out there that need support. There's bands out there that need your support, you know, check them 100%. out. They're putting out new material, you know, obviously during the whole lockdown thing, none of the venues were making any money and obviously none of the bands. Right. So that was, yeah. that was the whole deal. So it's great to see all this stuff coming back. Like you said, tours are happening. I mean, tours are booked for like, you know, couple of years beyond now it's way in it's kind of hard yeah, to, yeah. it's kind of yeah. hard to get a gig from a lot of a lot of things i i hear about you know and you've been so busy doing stuff you know starting with slash and miles kennedy fronting uh age of electric you know your band took you, you you've yeah. been just keeping busy man you've been rolling from one thing to another that's good pronunciation of took by the way <laughs> yeah i'm close to canada so there you go we're fairly exactly. close to canada so i know i know it's took i know everybody says toke Right. Well, everybody in in America usually, yeah. yeah, yeah. If you don't have Canadian friends, you you probably pronounce it that way. Or if you don't, <laughs> yeah. if you haven't heard the Getty Lee song "Take Off" that he did back in the day, stuff like exactly. that. But, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. you had so much so much stuff going on, crazy busy. But I mean, the tracks are just like no holds barred, straight ahead rock and roll. And when I heard the first track, "Locked and Loaded," I was, I was all in. I mean, that was like. That was like the beginning of it right there. You got to come out of the gate strong. And you guys did, you know, that, that, that's actually the first song we ever wrote together, which is really interesting that it, it leads the record. I, I, I kind of had forgotten. It's weird to say I'd forgotten, but I kind of forgot that we had all agreed that the album should open with that. And then when I kind of went back to listen to the masters, like, Oh yeah, we did choose to open with this song. I thought, cause raw power was also discussed, you know, come out swinging. But mm-hmm. I think that um, locked and loaded was sort of, I think the fact that we had sort of like literally, like I said, like, you know, passing files back and forth, keep in mind, we're, we're doing this remotely. So we're not in the same room. Right. Right. And um, you have a home studio. I assume a lot of folks yeah, have that. Everybody has stuff going on. So I was just doing stuff here in Vegas and, you know, Steph is in Milan, Italy and, and, right. and, and Will is in, you know, Florida. So it's kind of a matter of these, um, you know, just kind of working like that. And and the first thing we came up with was locked and loaded. And it sort of felt like, yeah, we should lead with that because it's it's aggressive and it's sort of is a um an attention seeking kind of song for sure. Yeah, it definitely it definitely gets your attention and 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 tells you, you know, these guys are here to rock. Check it out. Very, very cool. And you talked a little bit about the songwriting process, you know, changing files and things like that. But um, was it was it mostly mostly you're just putting down tracks and you guys were writing around the tracks or was it always different? Did you have like a formula you were using at all or was it just a little bit of everything? Um, there wasn't really a formula. I think it was just sort of like, you know, you know, just stuff would come from here and there and we would kind of like throw our stamp on it and do our thing. And and then, you know, because keep in mind, we're like arranging as we're going along, too. So right. a demo is one thing and then it kind of gets readdressed and then um 
Will kind of does his thing. So it's always like start with the drums, even though the drums are sort of built on a sort of track of uh, a skeletal work as well. And then I do my thing, Steph's doing his thing and put the vocals on it and all that kind of stuff. So it's, in reality, people keep thinking it's so strange, but people don't really realize that a lot of records are done fairly separately anyway. Even if a band is recording in one studio, it's sort of like often the band is together getting the drum tracks down. Right, right. And then everybody, right. everybody kind of goes off. The drummer... Yeah, they don't realize they, like like the bass player will come in, maybe he'll lay down some tracks. So the drummer will come in when he has time, he'll lay it on his stuff and then you guys will play it back and then mix it together. Yeah, generally, you know, it's kind of like we're we're doing bass this week. Okay, so the bass player is there right. with the producer. The drums have already been recorded and edited right. or what they're going to do to it. And then the bass gets finished. Then the bass is done. Then the guitar player comes in or maybe two guitar players, whatever, whatever you have, you know. Right. And, right. you know, so it's kind of like, you know, I'm not usually just kind of hanging around while Slash is playing guitar or something like that. It's like right. um, I'm, I'm certainly welcome to and I have. But at the same time, it's like, you know, you know, these guys are focusing on the work and 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 um, even even with a guy like Slash, it can eventually get kind of like, do I need to be here? <laughs> you know, it's like, if I'm not playing and I'm not working, you don't need to be in the studio for six or eight hours a day. If exactly. Really. Maybe I should take advantage of some sunshine and, you know, right. get, out, get out of the dungeon for a while. Um, but that's largely how records are made. I mean, the last Slash record we made, we made collectively as a band we've just sort of recorded as live as possible so but that is sort of an exception to a much larger rule these days you know yeah, right. these days usually. it's not really done like that at all yeah yeah usually someone's kind of leading the project and they may even have bits and pieces of it kind of ready for you and they just want you to maybe put a little spin in it or, or see what your take is on it type of thing but Absolutely. that'd be pretty amazing playing with slash and and, and having that whole thing going yeah. on that'd be an amazing uh, opportunity right well, it's been going on for 13 years. I mean, it's still continuing in, in, in whatever fashion we can kind of make it happen. Um, you know, pre-GNR reunion, it was sort of uh, a totally different thing. I mean, Miles was always the lead singer of Alter Bridge, so there was always right. the kind of juggling and of schedules. And they've got a tour coming out, I just saw. Right? And, they're, and, and they've been they've been touring and have a record out. You know, they toured Europe and now they're going to America. Right. Um, so it's... it's um, yeah, it's one of those things where our schedules are just, you know, crazy. Everybody's doing other things. But I I kind of, that's kind of how I think I roll best in a lot of ways. I think I do actually really enjoy kind of the, I don't know what the word is. I, I It's interesting to me to imagine having been like 23 years old and putting Aerosmith together and then being 73 years old and still being an Aerosmith. It's, it's right, a, right. It's a yeah, very a interesting of, idea. Yeah. A lot of guys have multiple projects going on. Like yeah. you said, keeping themselves busy is, is, is better. It's always good to be busy. Definitely. I think so. I think, and on, honestly, in a day and age where, well, Aerosmith is a good example and kiss and a few bands that a lot of my, my heroes don't put out new music anymore. So to me, I kind of feel like, well, I feel like I want to make music. I feel like I want to create music and put music out there. And, you know, I've been lucky enough to be sort of in a, you know, over the past however many years, just constantly sort of pushing new music out. And, yeah. um, and I think that that's sort of the kind of thing at the end of the day, when you're 75 years old and, and you look back, you want to go, well, you know, I did this, I did that, you know, Heroes and Monsters, that was an awesome thing, you know. Right. Maybe the maybe the third Heroes and Monsters was even better than the first. Who knows? We don't know yet. We'll have to project yeah. into the future. Yeah, yeah, you bring up a good point. As as fans, we want to see new music every once in a while. A lot of the artists, you know, they have they think one way or another about it. I mean, I mean Carmen Apice just just said today online that, you know, 
you know, you know, streaming has ruined songwriting. He doesn't want to write songs, and and I get that for a lot of a lot of the bands, like you mentioned, right? Aerosmith and Kiss, they they don't they don't want to waste the time going in the studio, put new material because it's they don't feel the product the product's not going to sell, right? It's, it's but it's pop, also but there's another from, side to it too, right? Yeah, yeah from Carmine's uh, point of view, I you know sure I agree with that, but there's also a whole other world, and the world that really matters now, honestly, is the younger people, and they. Exactly. You know, it, it always has been that way. When I was young, you know, we, you know, what we were doing and what was the music that was coming up when I was, you know, when we were young, you and I, right. it's sort of, you know, those people sort of create the future. And I think right. that exactly. um, this model that we live in now where music can be released into the world instantaneously right. has its good and bad points, obviously. And I think that that's, um, you know, that's kind of it's kind of almost not worth discussing anymore because it just kind of is what it is. It, just, really. it is what it is. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think and what happened in my opinion, anyway, all the record companies missed the boat back in the day. They should have jumped on the streaming services. You know, if they would have had like Warner brothers records says, you know, 20 bucks a month, I can stream your artists, whatever. Oh, yeah. Sure. I would have paid that for the record company. Sure. sure I would have done that. Imagine? Right? Yeah. But yeah, they all said, that's... no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to go on, you know, Apple iTunes or whatever. We're not going to put songs on there. And they missed the boat. And I think that's what happened. But we yeah, are nobody... seeing, you know, we are seeing new stuff come out and people are starting to buy stuff again. You know, nobody could have foresaw this being the way it is. Even, even into the 2000s, I don't think the, anybody really could have foreseen the streaming service in the television and film industry or any of it ha having quite been this revolutionary. I mean, I, I don't really, I don't work in the film industry, but I can imagine that the, you know, there is a conversation about, you know, uh, project product that is getting made on HBO or right. Netflix or whatever. Right. Would not have been able to have existed in a, in the old way. So yeah. I believe that in music, even though there is a there is a risk constantly of being uh, lost in the in the mix of just so much music being released, right? Um, that's unfortunately just part of the byproduct of, of of a medium now that is just so instantaneous that um, that that it just is. And I think that there is a um, as much as in the film industry as I just mentioned, I believe that that is the case with with music as well. That there are going to be things that will find um that will find an audience that never would have had that chance in the old model and vice versa you know i mean it's just sort of you know anybody who lived in a world where like when i was a kid you put a band together you built an audience you recorded your music right hopefully you got signed you know right. and hopefully, that was the big thing to get signed yeah right? yeah get signed and get a record out right and then it's sort of up to the eye of the beholder i mean getting signed was never the end because you can get signed and have like your rec you put out a record and it doesn't do anything and, and it's right. over. You know, what I mean, and there's no support, that, right? In reality, that's kind of probably more um, the rule rather than the exception. So I think that um, you know, in this day and age, it, it's a very interesting time. Not only is it an interesting time to release records, it's an interesting time where the discussions are about should we be releasing singles? You know, not even releasing records, right? Like, I, right, because I look at, at that model, right? We're kind of mm -hmm. almost back to how it started in a sense, but it's digital now, right? So in the yeah, 50s like, and 60s, that's what they would do. They would release yeah. a single or two, see how that panned out, and then they would come out with the album. And we've almost kind of gone back to that. It's sort of, yeah, it's sort of as a, has kind of got back to that, where the idea of like looking at you right now, where I'm 
looking at our Heroes and Monsters album cover, the idea of, of, of collecting 10, 12, 14 songs and putting it in a, in a package and putting, a, you know, an artwork on it. Is that an antiquated idea at this point? I don't know. I mean, like, you know, the, the whole idea of like, kids don't care about that. You know, I did. I still do when I when I have my vinyl and I, I like looking at the artwork and reading, oh, Bob Clearmountain mastered this. But I, <laughs> but I, I know that I, I may have been an exception to a much larger rule of people who just enjoy music. Um, and I think that's true. I think you realize as a person who's really into music that not everybody is as into it as you are. It's kind of like being, right. I don't know, really into Star Wars or something, you know, so really into or really into uh, the Green Bay Packers or whatever it is. It's kind of like whatever you're really into, you have people that that share that passion and, and the rest of the world just goes, dude, I just I just enjoy watching the game. I don't really care right, about it. Right. Like, well, you bring up an interesting point about the artwork, and that was always been a mm-hmm. major thing for albums to come up with a cool album cover. And I'm and I'm glad that we're still doing that. And your album cover is fantastic. And oh, I think that you. gives the you're welcome. And I think that gives the exposure to people that aren't familiar with it. Cause I always remember when you're going to record stores back in the day, like you're saying, there's tons of bands out, right? You see a cool album cover, it's like, well, this is cool. I wanna I wanna check this out, right? It kept your attention. So I think yeah, there's we, still value in that, you know. I can't tell you how many Molly Hatchet records were sold by those albums. Right. Because right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it was just like, wow, so cool. A- it's a right? cool record grabber. I got to buy this. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, that was actually, that feels like it's a bit of a lost art, that whole thing of like actually buying a record because this looks cool. I have no idea what this sounds like, but it looks cool. Right. Um, right. Um, but, you know, at the same time, I don't really lose a lot of sleep thinking like, is this, you know, is this the way it's going to be for us? You know, it, discussions with like Slash and a lot of my old school friends, it's like, this is the what we've always done. We're just going to keep doing it until it's a hundred percent. No, you don't do that. You know, it's kind of, it's like, yeah. And same with the idea of releasing hard copies, compact discs and everything else. It's kind of like, well, I'm going to do it until it's basically not a thing. And and, and some folks are actually going back to releasing cassettes for their new releases as well. Now they are, they are. We, we released, we released a cassette on, uh, hang on a second. I think I have it right here for the last slash album. It's a, you know, it, it came out on cassette. It's really hilarious, yeah. which I would never, do that. which I would never have guessed. Not only that, but Gibson Records made us our own SMKC boom boxes. If you see the oh SMKC. nice, <laughs> no, oh yeah, I had a very large one back in the day. That was the, oh, that was the too, thing to have. Too. You had to have the boom box. Yeah, hell yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's um, it's an interesting time, you know. I think that uh, you know, vinyl has had such a resurgence in and of itself. I don't know that it's like you know when you really look at the numbers, if it's like, if you only released vinyl that you could have that be your career, but um, it is fun. You know, it's really exciting that that actually exists. Um, but honestly, it's just always going to be, I mean, probably you and I, when we get in our car to drive wherever we're going to go, I don't know what you drive, but I don't even have a CD player in my car anymore. So it's all, you know, whatever's on my phone or whatever I'm getting by right, streaming right. services and whatnot. So and that's just the nature of the way the business is or the way that technology is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the technology that, that the next generation, and, and we've had Embrace, obviously, as well. Definitely. 100%. But, I, but I am seeing some resurgence in record stores and new stores opening. You know, I visit yeah. quite a few around here just to see what the business is like, just to see what they're selling, see what's coming out, things like that, and talk with the owners and stuff. And uh, they're doing okay. You know, they yeah, got no. high grade vinyl now, so it's yeah. a lot more expensive. But yeah, it is. Yeah, it's it's a different world, and I think that um, 
you know, there, there's quite a few places in, in, you know, in the UK and in Europe, you'll find HMV still exists as a chain, which is really exciting. Whenever I'm over there or like go to, go to Tokyo, you get to go to Tower Records. Uh, yeah, multi- Tower Records is coming yeah. back. A multi-layer Tower Records in, in Tokyo is very exciting. You know what I mean? Oh, and yeah. that's for a guy like me, you know, in Canada, there's a, there's a, there's a chain of record stores called Sunrise that now when I walk into a mall, because I think about malls, I'll be in a mall one day, you know, my wife's got to go do whatever. And I'll be in a mall and I go, okay, well, what can I go do? Because I would immediately think when I was a kid, what was the first thing I would do when I go into the mall? I'd go to the record store. Go to the record you know? store, yep. Yeah, but it doesn't exist anymore. So I'd be like, huh, okay, well, that changes the entire mall experience for 30 plus years now, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, but it, it just sort of... um uh, you know, to, to see uh, that there's this sort of community of people here, we have Zia records and in, in Arizona as well um, that, you know, when you, when I go there, it's, it's such a cool hang to go down there and just see everybody like, you know, perusing and, and just checking it out. And it's always a lot of people in there. And, and I love that. I love that about um, that community of people who just lo- have a passion for music. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's still a market for it. And I think we're going to see more of a resurgence with it coming forward. So let's let's get back and talk a little bit more about the tracks. We want to talk a little bit about uh, the latest video you got coming out, and we're going to check it out in a moment for uh, "Break Me." I'm yours. Very cool, cool track. Tell us a little bit about that. That one was a fun one. It was kind of uh, like when I was speaking earlier about like being in the 21st century and not being too afraid of, you know, just leaning into sort of certain influences that might be, you know, what I mean. Like in the 90s, it became very sort of um, you couldn't, it was verboten to talk about, you know, the eighties in a way, you know what I mean? But now in this day and age, I feel like we, we all have come so full circle that we can kind of do whatever the hell we want. So it has a very ACDC kind of thing to it. And I kind of felt like, yeah, let's just lean into that. Cause I mean, you can carve out the sound of a record by including or excluding one or two songs. You know what I mean? Like you could have a much moodier record if you decide to include nothing but the moodier songs or right. have a much more fun record by having, you know, excluding a few of the moodier songs and including some fun songs. And um, I just felt like Break Me On Yours was a really fun thing. And, and you know, much to the chagrin of, of a lot of, a lot of us involved, it's just sort of like, we just thought it'd be cool to include a, a good fun song and, and, but it's sort of in a lot of ways, a lot of people have gravitated towards that song as being like, you know, that's a great song. I'm like, well, thank you. I, uh, there's a lot of other things on there. So check it out, you know. Right. There's a um, attraction. But I appreciate that. Yeah. No, it's a fun one. All right. Yeah. So let's take a quick break here and we'll play the uh, track for Break Me, I'm Yours. And we'll be right back here on Talking About Rock with Todd Kearns. <laughs>
Okay, we're back here on Talking About Rock. Just checked out the uh, the new video there. Break Me, I'm Yours. Awesome track. Re really digging that, man. You got a little bit of everything going on on this new album. Very, very cool. You know, and like we were talking about, the artwork really, really gets you going. You know, I, I think it's a great track. Great stuff. I think I think we kind of leaned into trying a little bit of diversity in the recording. You know I mean? Just sort of making sure that the record itself wasn't just the same song 10 times it's kind of like has somewhere to go so um for me it's um when it's break me i'm yours to say blame or angels never sleep or don't tell me i'm wrong it's sort of like these are very different versions of the same band i think that's important i mean with led zeppelin or a band like that you could you know when i say led zeppelin to one person it might conjure black dog to another person that conjures battle of evermore you know there's right. very different sounding versions of what led zeppelin is um and and a lot of other bands too for that matter you know what i mean so but just using that as an example i, I kind of find that we find uh a lot of uh for what the heroes and monsters guys just wanted to we just wanted to try and do something that was a little bit you know not not to feel too pegged into we have to do this you know what i mean yeah. and just have fun with it yeah i think that's the right choice for the first album from a project you know have a little bit of everything and see what really goes over well and kind of kind of fits your mold a little bit more and maybe what what you want to go toward the next time maybe that's that's definitely the way to start it out for sure totally yes so when you're originally from saskatchewan canada and uh <laughs> yeah. you, you took a break a little bit from production rehearsals with slash and, and you did a quick cover band cover boy and you're doing some uh kim mitchell and april wine that would well, be pretty interesting that's so funny because Coverboy was a was a jam band with Chris Jericho, the wrestler, right. who was also Canadian. Um, and then we just kind of started doing Took, which sort of grew out of um, Coverboy, which was essentially just our loving homage to Canadian rock. You know what I mean? And all the music we grew up on. Yep. Uh, like you said, Kim Mitchell, April Wine, Loverboy. It's a very it goes a lot deeper than that. Just stuff that most Americans or anybody may not know so but that was part of the fun of it was us listening to these songs going how great is this song wouldn't it be cool to like have somebody in brazil go that's my favorite song and that has happened now where people in japan or australia are hearing stuff they they never would have heard um had we not recorded a version of it so that was kind of the whole fun of it you know i mean took has kind of grown on grown into a um you know we we do our own songs now and our own music now and we have these very same discussions about how do we release this? Is it a record? Is it a single? You know, all that conversation. But that is part of the fun of doing this is when you get musicians together for a for a cover project, it's very likely that some original music might pop out of it because that's what we do. Right, right. And you just jam it out and stuff. And it was so cool. You're covering some Kim Mitchell. And I saw that he's posted some dates and he's going to be touring again, which I'm very happy about. Very glad to see him back on the road doing that. He so never stops. Cool. He never stops. He's so talented. Yeah. Yeah, so it was great to see that. And what I like to ask folks too, also uh, different musicians, what's your typical gear setup that you like to use? Is there a typical go-to model, guitar, amp, effects, anything you like to typically use, or do you change it up a lot? Um, I do change it up, but I, I've been very fortunate to have a relationship with a company out of Vancouver, Canada called Prestige that I do my signature model bass and six string through. Um, we released the six string back in 2017 at NAMM. We got a platinum award through Guitar World magazine, which was really exciting for a nerd like me who grew up on on just drooling over guitar magazines, you know. Um, but yeah, so we 
that's kind of largely what I do. I, I, um, I've always used GK amps for bass. Um, I, I, I'm not religious about it because I, I do think there are some great other, other models, but in the slash band, that's always been what I've used. Um, the, I mean, in bass, it's the tech 21 sans amps have become a big part of my world. Um, currently in love with the Getty Lee 2112, actually his, uh, his, uh, signature, signature um, yeah. Yeah, it's so it's so damn good. A lot of us are using it now. In guitar world, I I use my guitar. Um, there a lot of mostly Marshall type stuff. Uh, mm. um, you know, there's a, a bit of digital fun. Uh, we've been digging into things like Kempers and whatnot in the Tuke world, and but largely just a Marshall and my guitar. You know, I, I'm kind of good to go. I, I'm very Malcolm Young that way when it comes to the my, when I have to play guitar. I'm like less is more. I feel like. Excellent. Very, very cool. Yeah. Folks always like to know what's what's going on or what kind of setup you guys are using and stuff. And if you're interested in, you know, delving into different things. So uh, totally. this project's moving ahead. Do you guys see maybe any tour dates coming up or any opportunities to be playing? Uh... Yeah, we're about to head to Italy for 10 shows. Um, Steph lives in Italy, so it just kind of went from, you know, an offer to two to 10, you know, so we're going to go over there for two weeks and, and knock out um, 10 shows. It's going to be, it's going to be a blast. I mean, it's been really interesting for me going over this music, sort of like, okay. Yeah, Cause a lot of the time you record a record, you don't really think about playing it live. You just kind of right. just doing the work, you know, right. and you pick see up what the happens, bass. See where it goes. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Then I got to pick up the bass and go, can I sing and play this at the same time? There's a lot of like, you know, having to kind of just get in the dojo and work it out, you know? And that's sort of been part of the fun. But I, you know, we are all very busy guys. So now we're just kind of like, we have this one little window to go out and do some work and then sort of see what comes down the line after that. Very, very cool. Well, Todd, thank you so much for joining us today. And if folks want to know more about you, where should they check you out? Should they check out your website or on social media or where should they get a hold of you? Everywhere, basically. Yeah, my website's just toddkearns.com. I'm Todd Kearns on Instagram and Facebook and Todd Dammit Kearns on Twitter. I have been entertaining the idea of getting over to uh, the other mediums that there are, but, uh, you know, I find it sort of uh, uh, overwhelming enough in what we have. <laughs> I totally agree. I totally agree. Well, folks, check out the new Heroes and Monsters from Frontiers Music. And Todd, again, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to get to hang out. Excellent. Yeah. And if you folks out there have comments or questions, feel free to email us at talkingaboutrock at gmail.com. You can like us and follow us on all the social media services. And for this interview, it'll be on our YouTube channel and all the streaming services as well. Cool. Thank you so much, Todd. Thank you, brother. Take care. Bye.